Good morning. It is Kale and Company live right here on WKXL. 1450 on the AM dial, 103.9 FM in the capital region of New Hampshire. And a 101.9 FM in Manchester and the southern tier of the Granite State. Also around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. And you can look us up on uh, Facebook on Instagram, on Twitter. Where else, Kat? Anywhere else? Am I forgetting anything? No, you got them all. Got them all. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's it's hard to miss us. I know. And uh, we're happy about that. So uh, check us out and uh, tell a friend. Uh, Kale and Company Live is presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at Delta Dental coversme.com. And uh, before we get started today, I want to mention a new addition to the company, as in Kale and Company. I uh, had a new grandson uh, last night, and uh, grandson was born in uh, Melrose, Massachusetts, and uh, my daughter Melissa and her husband Cody have now added to their family. Well, it's their first child. And uh, it is Eugene Thomas, a bouncing baby boy, as they say. So everything is good. Mother and the baby uh, both uh, doing well. And it's uh, very exciting. I'll get to meet uh, Eugene today uh, for the first time, as uh, it happened uh, uh, somewhat late last night. So uh, take a trip down to uh, my hometown of Melrose today and and uh, visit my my new grandson. Very, very exciting, very exciting. So if you know if you think my mind is elsewhere today, it it probably is. I, I at least have an excuse for one day, right? If my if my mind is elsewhere, you know. Coming up on the uh, second half of the show uh, today, we have a gentleman by the name of uh, Dan Levitt who is going to join us from Massachusetts. He's a writer, a director, a producer of documentaries, and he has written his first book. And uh, I, I don't know a whole lot about this topic. I probably should know more, but it's intriguing. Uh, the book is called What's Gotten Into You? The Story of Your Body's Atoms from the Big Bang Through Last Night's Dinner. So just listen to this one paragraph. Every one of us contains a billion, a billion times more atoms than all the grains of sand in the Earth's deserts. Every one of us. If you weigh 150 pounds, you've got enough carbon to make 25 pounds of charcoal, meaning I have enough carbon to make, you know, who knows, a lot more than 25 pounds of charcoal. Enough salt to fill a salt shaker, enough chlorine to disinfect several backyard swimming pools, and enough iron to forge a three-inch nail. That's what we have in our bodies, folks. And uh, Dan Levitt, uh, a writer, producer, director, uh, will be joining us a little after 8.30 this morning here on uh, Kale and Company. Well, I tell you, it was a big day. It was June 26th, but it was a big day in the hockey world uh, from the perspective of awards 
and trades, one involving the the Boston Bruins. But let's get to the awards first. Uh, Edmonton Oilers center Connor McDavid uh, swept the top individual honors at the NHL Awards on Monday in Nashville to cap his career best season. McDavid won the Hart Trophy as the league's most valuable player and the Ted Lindsay Award as the NHL Players Association's most outstanding player. It was McDavid's third Hart Trophy win after having been nominated five times. Boston Bruins star David Pasternak finished second for MVP, while Florida Panthers' uh, Matthew Kachuk was third. McDavid earned 195 first-place votes for the Hart Trophy, with Pasternak getting the only other first-place vote. So the voting was nearly unanimous for Connor McDavid, who becomes only the third four-time recipient of the NHLPA's Most Outstanding Player Award, joining Wayne Gretzky five times and Mario Lemieux four times. So he is in extremely good company. McDavid, uh, the most dominant offensive force in the NHL this past season. He won his fifth Art Ross Trophy for leading the league with 153 points. That was 30 points, 30 points more than his previous career high set last season and made him the first skater since Mario Lemieux in 1995-96 to score 150 points. McDavid also earned the Rocket Richard Trophy with a career-best 64 goals. After winning the Hart Trophy, McDavid gave a shout-out to his fiancée, Lauren Kyle, saying he would not be up on this stage without her support. The Bruins... Of course, they set new NHL regular season records for wins with 65, points with 135. They walked away with three major awards. Boston's Jim Montgomery won the Jack Adams Award for Coach of the Year. Now, this is all based on regular season, folks. Regular season. Jim Montgomery of the Bruins winning the Jack Adams Award, finishing ahead of Lindy Ruff of the New Jersey Devils, and Dave Hextall of the Seattle Kraken. Bruins star Patrice Bergeron built on his NHL record for Selkie Trophy wins, capturing the award for NHL's best defensive forward for a sixth time. That's a record. He was also the Selkie Award winner last season. And Linus Ulmark won the Vezina Trophy as the league's best goaltender after posting an impressive 40 wins, 6 loss, and 1 overtime tie or loss record for the Boston Bruins. Allmark finished ahead of Ilya Sorokin of the New York Islanders and Connor Hellebuck of the Winnipeg Jets. Allmark, a first-time NHL awards finalist is the fourth, count them, four Bruins goaltenders have won the Vezina Trophy under the current selection criteria. That's since 1981-82. Joining Pete Peters. Pete Peters won the award in 1983. 
Tim Thomas won it in uh, 2009 and 2011, and Tuka Rask won in 2014. So there you go. The uh, Bruins decorated very well in the NHL's postseason award ceremony uh, last night with Patrice Bergeron uh, and Linus Ulmark, both winning uh, big awards, and Jim Montgomery, the uh, coach of the year in the National Hockey League. Uh, L.A. Kings center Andre Kopitar won the Lady Bing Trophy as the NHL's most gentlemanly player for the second straight time. Uh, for the second time, I should say. He previously won the award in 2016. Uh, Jack Hughes of the Devils finished a close second in the voting, while Tampa Bay Lightning center Braden Point finished in third place in the Lady Bing Trophy award voting. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins defenseman Chris Letang was presented the Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy as the player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to hockey. So uh, there you go. And uh, Lightning captain Steven Stamkos won the Marc Messier NHL Leadership Award for his work on and off the ice. So a, a big night for trophies in the uh, National Hockey League on Monday, the uh, trophy ceremony taking place in Nashville, Tennessee. So before that, we learned that the, uh, the Boston Bruins were involved in uh, somewhat big trade. Bruins have traded former Hart Trophy winner Taylor Hall to the Chicago Blackhawks. Hall and uh, the rights to his uh, pending unrestricted, uh, and I should say, Hall and the rights to unrestricted free agent forward Nick Foligno were sent to the Blackhawks on Monday for the rights to the to defenseman Ian Mitchell and Alec Regula, who are also pending restricted free agents. So basically, a Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno to the Blackhawks for a pair of young defensemen Ian Mitchell and Alec Regula. So uh, the Bruins are going to be making some moves, and we mentioned that uh, Linus Ullman won the Vezina Trophy as the best goaltender in the NHL. He might have already played his last game as a member of the Boston Bruins because the Bruins have to clear some calorie, uh, salary cap space, and Linus Ullmark is reportedly... Uh, one of the guys that uh, may be dealt in an effort to get down to that uh, salary cap limit. But we'll wait and see what uh, what plays out. We will take a break. Our guest coming up uh, just after 8.30 is Dan Levitt. And you won't want to miss him because you'll want to find out what's inside that body of yours right here on Kale & Company Live, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Kale and Company live right here on WKXL. NHTalkRadio.com. A delight to have you with us on this 27th day of June. Fourth of July. Coming up in just a matter of days now, next week. And lots of festivities going on, of course, uh, in the area. We were talking about uh, hockey deals uh, a moment ago before the break. Bruins made another one uh, late 
last night. It was actually ahead of the uh, NHL awards. Uh, New Jersey Devils general manager Tom Fitzgerald announced the, uh, that uh, defenseman Riley Walsh was traded to the Boston Bruins in exchange for Shane Bowers. 24-year-old Walsh was uh, drafted by the Devils in the third round of the 2017 NHL draft. He was a mainstay with the uh, American Hockey League uh, affiliate of New Jersey, the Binghamton Devils, and the Utica Comets for the past three seasons. He's a native of Framingham, Massachusetts, and uh, made his NHL debut April 26, 2022, uh, against uh, Ottawa, earning his first NHL career assist. So the newest member of the Boston Bruins, Riley Walsh from Framingham. So there you go. Another hockey note for you. Uh, Red Sox did not play last night. They will open up. A three-game series tonight with the Miami Marlins at Fenway Park. It'll mean that uh, Luis Arise will be in the lineup for Miami tonight, entering the game with a batting average of three ninety-nine here in late June. Pretty good accomplishment. Uh, I mean, baseball's last four hundred hitter, as many of you know, uh, was Ted Williams in nineteen forty-one. So it's been a few years. Uh, since baseball has had a 400 hitter, I really don't anticipate uh, another one. But it's fun to see somebody making a run at it. And uh, Arise uh, was uh, the American League batting champion last year with the Minnesota Twins. They traded him in the offseason to the Miami Marlins for no apparent reason. But uh, he is with Miami now and will be at Fenway Park tonight as the Red Sox and the Marlins open up a uh, three-game series at at the old ball yard on Jersey Street. used to be Yankee Way, but it's uh, Jersey Street now. Anyway, the Red Sox, you know, their season has been really Jekyll and Hyde. They've had some, some pretty good winning streaks. They've had some losing streaks. They've been up and down and over and out. There's still one game above 500. Everybody in the American League East, every team is above the 500 plateau. The Red Sox are only three games out of an American League wildcard berth, which uh, leaves them in an interesting position because they have to make a decision. Because The trading deadline is coming up in just a little over a month from now on July 31st. Will the Red Sox be buyers, meaning trying to acquire pieces uh, pieces for their team that would uh, help them get into the postseason, potentially? Or do they sell off some of their assets and build for the future? It's a precarious situation to be in. And the Red Sox are right on the cusp, right on the cusp. And the, you know, the starting rotation is not too bad. Uh, James Paxton uh, injured his knee in his last start. Don't uh, know exactly when he's going to be back. But uh, Whitlock, Garrett Whitlock has pitched well. Uh, Brian Bayo, I would have to call right now. If I was, uh, you know, manager Alex Cora in a must-win situation, the guy I would want to have on the mound, the starting pitcher I would want to have on the mound for the Red Sox, would be the young right-hander Brian Bale. 
Now, I'm not saying he is another Pedro Martinez. No, I, I, I wouldn't put that onus on anybody because Pedro was one of the great pitchers of all time in Major League Baseball. But Brian Bayo reminds me a lot of Pedro. Let me put it that way. He reminds me a lot of Pedro Martinez in his characteristics on the mound. And he's got very good stuff, throws a lot of pitches. Uh, and uh, I tell you what, he's got a bright future. I hope uh, he can stay relatively injury-free. Nobody's going to stay completely injury-free, especially pitchers. But hopefully uh, he will be able to uh, stay as healthy as possible and contribute to the Red Sox uh, in the second half of the season. The Red Sox are rapidly approaching the second half of the season. Their record now 40-39. and 39. They are two games away from uh, the official midway mark of the 2023 baseball season. Today, by the way, is National Bingo Day. National Bingo Day being celebrated today. It's also... National Ice Cream Cake Day. Great day to go to your favorite place to buy ice cream and get a nice ice cream cake. Oh, I love those ice cream cakes. Uh, National Orange Blossom Day. And it's Sunglasses Day, although you may not need them around here very much, unfortunately. But at any rate, those are the uh, days that are being commemorated today. And if you're into politics, oh, man. What a day it's going to be uh, in New Hampshire. Donald Trump is on hand today here in the Granite State. Nikki Haley is here. Ron DeSantis has a couple of events anyway. And Vivek Ramaswamy is also around the Granite State today. So you've got four Republican presidential hopefuls traversing the Granite State today ahead of a first-in-the-nation Republican primary, which is coming up sometime. We don't know the exact date yet, uh, but uh, it will be sometime. And, of course, uh, Robert F. Kennedy from the Democratic side has uh, spent considerable time here in the Granite State campaigning. And uh, he has uh, made quite a bit of noise uh, in the Granite State. Uh, he's up to uh, 20, 25 percent in the uh, recent polling. And it, it does not appear as if our incumbent president is going to even uh, enter the Democratic primary here in the state of New Hampshire. So it looks like it's going to be a lock for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to win the Democratic a primary in New Hampshire because our our current president uh, has decided to uh, skip New Hampshire. Remember, he finished fifth last year, uh, uh, not last year, but uh, a couple of years ago in the primary. And uh, at that time, at that time, most people thought that he was done, that he was finished, finishing fifth in the New Hampshire primary, but uh, bounced back in South Carolina. And the rest, as they say, is history. But at any rate, uh, four Republicans, Trump, Haley, DeSantis, and Ramaswamy in the state today. I know Concord uh, 
is hosting uh, Trump today at the Grapponi Center. Nikki Haley has events in Hollis and Henniker. I believe uh, Mr. DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, uh, is in Hollis as well. And I'm not sure where uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is, but he could be at a, uh, a diner or a social club near you. Lots of events, as we mentioned, coming up. Fourth of July, of course, uh, being celebrated uh, next week. The Concord Ceremony, Concord Celebration, is going to be uh, right on the 4th of July. Always a great time at Memorial Field, and hopefully the weather will cooperate as well. The big uh, fire dis- uh, fireworks display will be in uh, downtown Manchester on the 3rd, the 3rd of July in Manchester. So, yeah, sets up nicely, doesn't it? You can go to Manchester on the 3rd and see the big fireworks display and uh, come back to Concord or go to Concord on uh, July 4th and enjoy the uh, Concord display. So it sets up nicely. And I do know that the uh, New Hampshire Fisher Cats will be having fireworks following their ball games on July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. So there you have it. Lots of fireworks in the area. Nashua, July 4th at historic Holman Stadium. And uh, all kinds of things going on. Hampton Beach on July 4th. Get out with the family. Whatever you do, uh, do it safely. Leave the fireworks to the professionals, the ones who know how to do it. We'll take a break and then come back with our guest today, author Dan Levitt. He is going to be very interesting. You'll want to stick around for this one right here. Kale and Company Live. Great to have you with us on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are powered by Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by... Northeast Delta Dental. And we want to welcome in this morning a writer, director, and producer of documentaries. And he has a new book out by the name of What's Gotten Into You? The Story of Your Body's Atoms from the Big Bang through Last Night's Dinner. He is author Dan Levitt. Dan, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'll tell you, we're excited to have you. And I just want to read one paragraph to our audience before we begin. And I actually did read it in the first part of our show today, but I'll read it again for those who missed it. Every one of us contains a billion times more atoms than all of the grains of sand in the Earth's deserts. If you weigh 150 pounds, you've got enough carbon to make 25 pounds of charcoal, enough salt to fill a salt shaker, enough chlorine to disinfect several backyard swimming pools, and enough iron to forge a three-inch nail. Pretty amazing, Dan. Pretty amazing. The question is to you, how did all these elements combine to make us human? (laughs) <laughs> not, not, not very easily. <laughs> there were a lot of catastrophic events <laughs> and a lot of um, a lot of luck along the way too. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily destined to be. 
but um, you know, that's the story that my book tells because it, it, it you know, uh, it traces how uh, these particles that sprang randomly out of the Big Bang ended up creating uh, atoms, which we're made of, and a small groups of them reconvened on Earth and, you know, and created you and created me. You know, how did that happen? And, um, uh, you know, it, it, of course, it began with the Big Bang, and 10% of the your mass actually is hydrogen that came directly from the Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago. Wow. Uh, yeah, and then um, hydrogen gases, great clouds condensed, pulled in by gravity, and cre- and began to form stars. And those created heat when they began fusing to create uh, uh, helium, which is when our, how our sun create, gets heat. And that uh, then in the large stars, began to create heavier elements, you know, and, and, and we are made of, um, 98% of us is made of just six elements that are made of massive stars, you know, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, phosphorus, and, and sulfur. And all the way, all of our elements up to iron were made in large stars, but, but we're, also, we're made of 24 elements, all told, and some of them are heavier than iron. And... The only way those could be made was in the most powerful explosions in the universe. And those were supernovas. Those were the explosions, massive explosions of dying stars. And those, those essentially created all the other elements in the periodic table, including us. So when Carl Sagan says, uh, we are made of star stuff, uh, that's, that's literally what he means. Yeah. That, that uh, you know, our elements were made in the stars. And then, of course, there's this, the, the amazing story of, of how those elements ended up creating a solar system at Earth and creating life and then ultimately creating us. It is an, an incredible story. And uh, what, what sparked your interest, Dan, uh, in finding out how we were all constructed? Well, you know, um, it, it really started with a, with a question. Uh, when my teenage daughter was thinking of becoming a vegetarian, I started to wonder, well, okay, um, what does she have to eat nutritionally in order to be healthy? And I really quickly realized that I didn't really know what my body or her body was made of, much less where that stuff came from. And uh, doing some thinking and some Googling, ultimately I realized that every single particle in our bodies uh, was came out of the Big Bang. 13.8 billion years ago. And so I realized that the journey of those particles and atoms from the Big Bang uh, to us through unbelievably massive explosions and catastrophic um, uh, disasters and, and miraculous events uh, created us. But the other thing that was equally interesting to me was how, how we learned that, because, you know, it turns out that... Um, uh, we, we, we learned that because scientists um, uh, found things that nobody had any idea to expect. You know, they were looking for one thing and they found something completely, completely different. And often they overturned uh, conventional wisdom again and again. And, and so I realized that those stories of discovery, for me, were equally fascinating. So. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the story that I tell is equally about um, the priest who proved Einstein wrong and, uh, you know, 
the woman who overturned our understanding of, of how um, uh, uh, evolution um, uh, made a big jump to more complex cells and, and so on. And so those stories of discovery just hooked me and grabbed me. And ultimately, I decided, wow, what a great, what a fascinating topic for a book. No, no doubt about that. Who was it that, uh, I'm not talking about the TV show, but who, who came up with the, the, the Big Bang Theory? So that's a great story because that is uh, Georges Lemaitre, who was a um, Belgian priest, extremely devout priest in the 1920s, who, as I mentioned, proved Einstein wrong. Um, he, um, with the blessing of his cardinal, went to study relativity not long after Einstein had come up with the theory of relativity. And Lemaitre heard of observations that galaxies that are far away from us are accelerating away from the Earth faster than those closer to us. And from that, he deduced, because he looked at Einstein's equations carefully, uh, that the universe was expanding. He suggested it to Einstein. Einstein said, no way, you got to be kidding me. There's no way that could happen. But the Lemaitre actually dove deeper into Einstein's equations and reason that if the universe is expanding now, it must have been smaller before and smaller before. And, and, uh, uh, and, and so ultimately, the entire universe must have been contained in a tiny, almost infinitesimal point of time and space. Again, Einstein hated the idea, particularly since, and this is interesting, because uh, Lemaitre was a Catholic priest, and to him it, it, it almost seemed like Lemaitre was trying to, you know, show that Genesis was true, uh, which, of course, was not what Lemaitre wanted to do, but, but Einstein was suspicious of it for that reason. Uh, and it took quite a while for him to look at the evidence really quick, quick, uh, carefully, and to ultimately uh, change his mind. But Lemaitre remained a uh, devout priest, as well as a remarkable physicist um, uh, for his entire life. Well, I, I would guess so. And, and as you said, uh, Einstein was uh, very skeptical uh, of that theory because uh, he, he went in a completely different direction, correct? Yeah, correct? yeah that's yeah. right. And, you know, it, it, the Lemaitre would say that science tells us about how the natural world works and religion tells us about salvation. And so there, to, to him, there was no conflict between the two. And that's how he was able to, um, essentially, he was the, um, uh, the, the, the father of, of the Big Bang Theory. Mm. Wow. That, that is uh, really something. Our, our guest is Dan Levitt, and he is a, a writer, a director, producer of documentaries. And is this uh, your first book, Dan? It is. For many years, I made documentaries for Discovery Channel and National Geographic and, and, and uh, PBS and others, uh, but this is my first book. Wow, outstanding. And the book is called uh, What's Gotten Into You? The Story of Your Body's Atoms from the Big Bang through Last Night's Dinner. And uh, Dan, can you stay with us for a few more minutes? I'd love to. All right, very good. Dan Levitt uh, is our guest, and uh, this is Kale and Company Live right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, 103.9 in the Capital Region, 101.9 in uh, Manchester and beyond, on the AM dial at 1450, and streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and we will be right back. 
Kale and Company live here on WKXL. NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Our guest is Dan Levitt, writer, director, producer of uh, documentaries, has his first book out called What's What's Gotten Into You? What's Gotten Into You? The story of your body's atoms from the Big Bang through last night's dinner. And uh, Dan, thanks for staying with us. You have called water a magical substance. Uh, Explain. Oh, it is because, first of all, water shouldn't be here because when the Earth formed, it um, the area that the region around the sun where the Earth formed was much too hot for water to be there. So water actually, after the Earth formed, or as the Earth, just as the Earth formed, came in from, uh, much of it came in from asteroids and comets further around the solar system. But water is amazing because... Um, not only does it become, not only is it um, uh, a gas, a liquid, and a solid at uh, the Earth's temperatures, which most elements aren't, aren't, but the bonds between it uh, are very weak bonds called hydrogen bonds. And in fact, they're so weak that they form and reform trillionths of times a second. And that's uh, and that allows other molecules to race through uh, and essentially meet and greet and form other compounds. So water really is, you know, the the the, uh, the medium in which um, uh, all the other important reactions in our body take place, as well as uh, very important in, for instance, helping our DNA find its shape, helping proteins find its shape. So water is also extremely important in many of the key reactions in our cells. Well, you alluded to it just a moment ago, but uh, what impact did uh, asteroids and, and comets have to do with our creation? Well, one thing is they probably brought much of the water that's on Earth uh, here. And so the water in your veins, a lot of that probably came into Earth from further out past Mars and around Jupiter, um, or for even further out on asteroids and and comets. Uh, you know, another uh, w- wonderful story that I, that I discovered when I was researching the book is that when we went to the moon, we had at the time very little idea about Earth's early history. And it was on the moon, we found, we discovered that all those craters up there, many people thought that they were vol- could be volcanoes. So the first time we realized those big craters are actually ancient impacts from comets and asteroids. And all of a sudden, when people realized that, a light bulb off because we realized, oh, when the moon was forming and the Earth was forming at the sa- around the same time, uh, both the moon and the Earth must have been bombarded by massive comets and asteroids, uh, enough so that um, uh, some of them might have actually vaporized the Earth's oceans. So although the Earth formed about 4.5 billion years ago, it wasn't until about 3.8 billion years ago that that deluge of comets and asteroids died down enough that it was, that it was much, uh, uh, the Earth's habitat was much more uh, uh, conducive uh, to life, life forming. And then it's possible that comets and asteroids might have also brought a significant amount of the organic materials that um, ultimately uh, uh, are necessary to make life on Earth. So 
yeah, they're they're important in so many ways. Oh no, no question about that. And uh, Dan, I have to ask you: Did all of your uh, inquisitive spirit and your, your curiosity all begin with a, a chemistry kit that your parents gave you when you were seven years old? Well, not all of it, but certainly <laughs> a, a certain amount, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now, you've had a, a very interesting life. Uh, just tell us a little bit about your experience. You served uh, in the Peace Corps in Kenya. I did, and that was that was an absolutely wonderful experience. I taught, I studied psychology and a lot of science in, in college, and then I went right into the Peace Corps. And I, and I lived um, close to Mount Kilimanjaro in a small village, and I, and I taught physics and biology and, and chemistry. And it was, uh, it was an amazing experience, and also, uh, also amazing to me because um, I was living very close to a game, game park, and Mount Kilimanjaro was there in the distance, and there were, you know, uh, uh, anthills that were like five feet high and all kinds of, of animals. And it really gave me a sense of how intertwined we are in, in, in a much larger web of life. And there's a sense in which that's tied, or, or it perhaps in a way sparked my interest in writing this kind of book. Because, uh, you know, not only did I live in... Uh, in Kenya, but you know, I've I've gone to the Grand Canyon and and, and I've been to uh, uh, the Himalayas and I and I've seen you know unbelievable natural sites that that you know have given me a, a sense of of wonder and of being part of something something bigger and and that's the same thing ultimately that that the the tracing the story of our atoms has, has given me is you know understanding. Uh, you know how our atoms came from the stars through the, you know, through this unbelievable number of collisions that created our planet, and our, and our Earth was was gobsmacked by one that 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 completely melted the Earth down, and and then later on the Earth was completely covered by ice, and and yet life ultimately formed, and and uh, and then all these little molecular machines evolved that are part of our body so that, you know, we have in each cell of our body is filled up with, with uh, millions and, and uh, you know, even quadrillions of different kinds of little molecular machines. It's really, um, that too gives me the same kind of uh, sense of being part of something larger and, and a sense of gra- gratitude and awe. I think it's all, it's all um, it, it all comes together. How many cells do we have in our body, Dan? <laughs> we are, uh, you and I, uh, we, we are colonies of 30 trillion cells, <laughs> wow. which, is, which is more cells than there are uh, stars in, in, in the Milky Way. And, um, uh, and there's no one in charge, right? It's, it's a collaborative or, or a cooperative that, that, uh, um, that somehow manages to, uh, to create us. So after you uh, spent some time uh, in the Peace Corps in, in Kenya, what uh, where did your travels take you uh, after that? Well, I ended up doing um, science and, and uh, history films um, for uh, uh, PBS and uh, Discovery Channel and um, uh, National Geographic. So they were on all kinds of topics, and they and they were on 
they were really mystery. They were scientific mysteries, all about how scientists discover things. They did a wonderful film on um, uh, how the great physicists like Newton and Galileo and Stephen Hawking um, mm. uh, made their greatest discoveries. And for that one, I got to interview Stephen Hawking in, in, in Cambridge. I did a wonderful film with the paleontologist Jack Horner on, on his theory of dinosaur evolution. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I did a film for National Geographic Channel on the scientific search for alien life elsewhere in the universe. So it's been um, science and history has, has and, and how we've come to understand and the amazing stories of, of how we've come to uh, know what we know have, have really been a thread that I've just always been interested in. So it was the a series of events that uh, led you to uh, reside in the Boston area. Uh, yeah, that's right. I, I came up here because Boston um, was and is still a, a wonderful uh, has a wonderful community of documentary filmmakers, and it's a great place to uh, to be based. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. So, what what are you working on now? Well, I'm. Um, uh, trying to figure out what I'm going to write my next uh, book about. It's going to be um, some somewhere in uh, in the history science space, and uh, you know. But uh, uh, I, you know, I want it. I'm, I'm looking for a story that's also going to be full of fascinating facts and wonderful personal stories of dramatic discovery, and that's uh, that's that's what I'm looking for at the moment. Well, your current book uh, certainly is, uh, you know, full of uh, just just amazing, just amazing stories, and uh, you know, I'm, some of us uh, had had no idea uh, of uh, you know where we came from. I'm sure that I, I speak for a lot of people when I say that, and uh, this is just uh, fascinating material. And and Dan, I, I want to thank you so much for spending uh, time with us uh, this morning. Thank you. It's really been so much fun. I so appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Thanks to you. Dan Levitt, uh, writer, director, producer of uh, many documentaries over the years, and his first book out there, What's Gotten Into You? The uh, Story of Your Body's Atoms from the Big Bang through Last Night's Dinner. So thanks to uh, Dan Levitt for joining us today here on Kale & Company Live. And I want to remind you, there's a great uh, event Coming up uh, this Sunday, July 2nd at 4 o'clock, Jordan Tyrrell Wysocki and his trio uh, will kick off Music on the Green, an annual concert music series uh, hosted and presented by Canterbury Shaker Village in Canterbury. Uh, if you haven't seen the uh, Jordan Tyrrell Wysocki trio in action, I suggest that you head to uh, Canterbury Shaker Village this Sunday at Four o'clock, and uh, you will be entertained by uh, 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 Jordan Tyrrell Wysocki, by uh, Matt Jensen on guitar, Chris Noyes on the upright bass, and it's in a great setting as well. So that is this Sunday, four o'clock at uh, Canterbury Shaker Village. Well, I thank you all very much for joining us on this edition of Kale and Company Live on WKXL. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. And if you missed uh, any of the fascinating things that uh, Dan Levitt had to say today, uh, you can uh, hear them again right after 7 o'clock tonight, right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. 
Make it a great Tuesday, everybody.